you are receiving this transmission, you are reclaiming the faith with Phil Baker on the Fourth Watch Radio Network. Welcome to episode 12 of Reclaiming the Faith, a podcast with a mission to reveal what the earliest Christians believed about the core issues facing us today. I'm your host, Phil Baker. Now let's dig into history. Hey everyone, thank you so much for taking time to tune into the podcast and for your prayers. I really appreciate it so much. Please keep praying for me and um, yeah, praying for this ministry. In episode 12, I'm going to be discussing what the Apostle Peter meant in chapter 1 and verse 12 of his first letter when he commanded us to keep our behavior excellent among the Gentiles, so that in the thing in which they slander us as evildoers, they may, because of our good deeds, as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. I'll also be hitting on the influence that Jesus had on Peter making that statement and shedding some light on the way that the early Christians behaved in the world in their time. Now, if you're blessed by this episode, I'd really appreciate it if you'd leave an honest review on my iTunes channel, Reclaiming the Faith. And also, if you have any questions, please feel free to contact me at my website, reclaimingthefaith.podbean.com, or you can email me at emailphilsbaker at gmail.com. I'm blessed to be a part of Justin Falls Fourth Watch Radio Network, along with BDK of Omega Frequency, who I do a monthly Q&A show with called Ready With An Answer. And that's a great place to send questions to also if you have like theological questions and we'll try to answer them uh, on the air each month. And in addition to our own channels, you can find each of our podcasts at the Fourth Watch Radio Network website or on the Fourth Watch Radio podcast. And finally, the early Christian quotes that I use um, generally can be found on the CD-ROM version of the Anti-Nicene Fathers, and you can purchase your copy for $5 on the Scroll Publishing website, scrollpublishing.com. Tons of great, great early Christian resources there. All right, well, let's jump into episode 12. All right, well, if you've been listening to this episode, you know about three years ago, a little over three years ago, my wife and I adopted two children, two siblings, and uh, so I kind of had to hit the ground running learning how to be a parent. And one of the things that I was reminded of are report cards and conduct grades and uh, all that that entails. And so it was kind of interesting seeing E's and S's sometimes. And so I was just brought back to that time in my childhood when I would get E's and S's and sometimes P's and the occasional U, uh, that unsatisfactory conduct grade. I remember one time I got one of those and I got a few P's back in the day. And I remember uh, we would get different grades in conduct back in elementary school. My daughter's in elementary school, and uh, we were graded on different aspects of the way we interacted with people. And one of those things I remembered was 
working in plays well or works in plays well with others. <laughs> I got a P in that uh, back in, I think it was third grade. My daughter's in third grade too. And it's kind of interesting, you know, we're taught um, to to have good behavior, right? But what does that behavior mean? What does it mean to have excellent behavior? And what is satisfactory behavior? You know, we teach our kids to be good people. But how does God define good behavior? What does excellent behavior look like from a biblical perspective? Well, one of the ways that I've been doing my quiet time over the last uh, few months is kind of different than I normally do it. I've been trying to memorize the book of First Peter, and I'm in the middle of chapter 3 right now. But back in chapter 2, when I was there, this, this verse, verse 12, really began to stand out to me. And I'll give you a little bit of context. It's uh, verse 11 and verse 12 of chapter 2. It says, Beloved, Peter writes, Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lust, which wage war against the soul. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles, so that in the very thing which they slander you as evildoers, they may, because of your good deeds, as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. And I've been thinking about that for a long time and pondering what it looks like to have excellent behavior. And the more I've, I go over these just incredible inspired words here in first Peter, the more I've, I've realized that Peter keeps on quoting Jesus throughout his letter. First Peter, so often in this letter, he's either paraphrasing or outright quoting Jesus. And so let's let's look at some of those right now. You know, starting in verse 2 of chapter 1, he says that one of the reasons we've been chosen and by God the Father and sanctified by the work of the Spirit is to obey Jesus Christ. Kind of sounds like the Great Commission out of Matthew 28, right? To teach people to obey everything that Jesus said. And verse 4 of chapter 1, he says that, We've been given a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away. Kind of sounds like Matthew 6, 20. Continuing on, in verse 15, Peter calls Jesus the Holy One, which is what Jesus is called in Mark one twenty four, Verse 16 and 17 says, because it's written, you shall be holy for I am holy. And if you address his father, the one who impartially judges each one according to his own work, conduct yourselves with fear during the time of your stay on earth. That seems to be coming back to the Lord's prayer, right? That we would keep God's name holy. Hallowed be your name. Knowing that we were not, in verse 18, knowing that we were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from the feudal way of life inherited from our forefathers, but with precious blood, as of a lamb, kind of speaks to the ransom, right? Jesus said in Matthew twenty twenty eight that the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. 
In verse 22, Peter says, Since you have, in obedience to the truth, purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, to fervently love one another from the heart. For you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable, that is, through the living and enduring word of God. So he's calling us to love from a sense to to love sincerely from the heart. Kind of calls back to John fifteen, nine through fourteen. Going on to chapter 2, verse 1, Peter tells us to put aside all malice and deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all slander. Kind of seems like he's quoting Jesus saying in, in Matthew fifteen nineteen, I believe, when he says, "For uh, that, that out of the mouth, or sorry, out of the heart come impure things. And he lists off all these impure things that are very similar there to 1 Peter 2. And he says in 1 Peter, back to 1 Peter 2, uh, in verse 2, he says, Like newborn babies long for the pure spiritual milk of the word, so that by it we may grow in respect to salvation. Seems like he's hearkening back to the Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, when Jesus tells us, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And of course, in verse 7, in verse 7 of 1 Peter 2, Peter says, This precious value, speaking of salvation, is for those in Christ, is for those who believe, but for those who disbelieve. The stone which the builders rejected, this became the very cornerstone. And of course, he's quoting Psalm 118, but Jesus also said that about himself in Matthew 21, verse 42. And in in verse 12, like we said, keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles so that in the very thing which they slander you as evildoers, they may, because of your good deeds as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. In this Sermon on the Mount again, Jesus says in Matthew 5, 16, you are the light of the world, right? Let your good deeds shine before all men that they may see them and glorify your Father in heaven. Moving on to verse 13 in chapter 2, Peter says for us to submit ourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether to a king as the one in authority or to governors as those sent by him for the punishment of evildoers or the praise of those who do right. He got that type of instruction from Jesus back in Matthew 22, verse 21, when Jesus told us to render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. And in verse 19 of chapter 2 in First Peter, he writes this, For this finds favor, if for the sake of conscience toward God, a person bears up under sorrow when suffering unjustly. For what credit is there if... When you sin and are harshly treated, you endure it with patience. But if when you do what is right and suffer for it, you patiently endure it, this finds favor with God. And think about the Sermon on the Plain there in Luke chapter 6, verse 27 through 36, when Jesus says, What credit is there to you if you only love those who love you? The Gentiles do the same. But love Your enemies do good to those who hurt you. 
who do evil to you. Bless those who persecute you. Moving on. Verse 21 of 1 Peter 2. Peter says, For you have been called for this purpose, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps. And think about John 13, verse 15, when Jesus says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. And by this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. He has given us an example for us to follow in his steps. And this is only two chapters. I could go on and on throughout the rest of this podcast, going through the entire book of First Peter, but for time's sake, I'm not going to. But you can see, you can see how Peter is picking up his ethic. And by the way, Peter is writing to people, to Christians around the world who are, as a, uh, a friend of mine from New Orleans would say, that they're going through it. They're going through it. They're being persecuted. And yet he's saying, how do we respond? We respond like Christ. We respond like Christ. And you know, that makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense that Peter would say this, that he would call us to it, that he would say our behavior should be like Christ because that's the great commission. Go into the world, all the world, making disciples of all nations. And what did Jesus say? This, this line that often gets, it just gets overlooked, teaching them to observe everything that I commanded you. Everything that I commanded you. And that's exactly what Peter is doing. You know, there's this way. The apostles brought a way of life to the world. The Christianity is a way of life. That's what Paul called it in Acts 22 when he's standing before the Jewish authorities. When he's standing before the the Sanhedrin on trial. And he's giving his testimony In verse 4, he says, I persecuted this way, this way to death, binding and putting both men and women into prisons, as also the high priest and the council of the elders can testify. He persecuted a way. It's a way. It's a way of life. It's not just a set of beliefs. It's a way of living. It's the way of Christ. For Jesus said, I am am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. And yes, we know that verse in John 14, 6 as being exclusive, showing the exclusive exclusivity of the nature of salvation, that it's through Christ alone. But yes, there, that is true. There's also exclusivity to the way of Christ It is by following the example that he has laid out for us. And that is what Peter is demonstrating. There is a way that we are to follow. And it it is as Christ has already walked for us. One of the earliest Christian documents is called the Didache, which means the teaching. And it was held in high esteem, high esteem. 
by the earliest Christian writers. And it illustrates two ways. There are only two ways, kind of like the book of Revelation presents only two paths, only two beings that can be worshipped, either God or the devil. The Didache presents two paths, the way of light and the way of darkness. And it's so interesting how the way of light, as illustrated in the Didache, follows parallel with the teaching of Jesus. And I'm going to read some of that for you right now. It says, The way of life is this. First, you shall love the Lord God who made you. And second, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Everything that you do not wish to be done to you, do not do to another. Now, the teaching of these words is this. Bless those who curse you and pray for your enemies. Fast for those who persecute you. For what grace would it be if you love those who love you? Do not even the heathen peoples do that, but love those who hate you and you will have no enemy. Abstain from the cravings of the flesh and of the body. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other to him also, and you will be perfect. If someone presses you to go with him one mile, get ready for two. If someone takes away your coat, give him your jacket as well. If any man seizes what is yours, do not demand it back, for you cannot anyway. Give to everyone who asks of you, and never demand a return. For it is the Father's will that all should share the gifts we have received. The second command of this teaching is this, You shall not kill. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not corrupt boys. You shall not practice sexual promiscuity. You shall not steal. You shall not practice magic. You shall not mix poison. You shall not procure an abortion or kill the newborn child. You shall not covet the share that falls to your neighbor. You shall not commit perjury. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not speak evil about others. You shall not be resentful. You shall not be double-minded or double-tongued. For to be double-tongued is a deadly snare. Let your speech be neither dishonest nor empty, but let it be full of significance through action. You shall not be rapacious and always want to have more, or be deceitful or malicious, or imagine yourself to be great. You shall not plot evil schemes against your neighbor. You shall not hate any man. You shall admonish people, and you shall pray for people, and you shall love them more than your own life. My child, flee from all evil and from everything resembling it. Do not get angry, for anger leads to murder. Do not get into passionate tempers or be quarrelsome or boil with rage, for all of these 
things breed murder. My child, do not be lustful, for lust leads to promiscuity. Do not use foul language or cast lewd eyes, for all these things lead to adulterous acts. Be gentle-minded, for those of a gentle mind shall possess the earth. Be patient and have a loving heart. Be guileless. Be quiet and good, trembling in all things at the words you have heard. Seek daily the presence of the people dedicated to God so that you are refreshed with their words. Do not be divisive, but reconcile quarrelers. Be just in your judgments and do not show partiality in reproving transgressions. Never depart from the commandments of the Lord. Guard what you have received. Add nothing to it and take nothing away. Confess your trespasses in the church and do not go to prayer with a guilty conscience. This is the way of life. As I said in a, um, in a previous podcast, Several years ago when I was leading a college uh, small group and a worship leader at um, a previous church, um, we spent a year every Saturday going to a one of the biggest parks in Houston. And what we did is we, uh, this group of college students and I, we got about 100, 125, 150 water bottles iced down. We go to this park and every single week, every single Saturday, We'd go out and pass out water bottles to folks walking, running, walking their dogs, and we'd say, free water, free water. And if someone wanted a water bottle, we'd say, all right, well, um, is there anything we can pray about for you today? And if they said, no, that was fine. We'd just say, okay, well, Jesus loves you. And if they said yes, then we'd pray for them about whatever was on their mind. And then a lot of times, uh, great discussions would develop with these people, and we built relationships with many of them, and it was just a great evangelistic and discipleship-oriented uh, tool um, there for that, that season. And it was, it was pretty neat, the apologetic discussions that came about, too, with, with unbelievers. And I learned a lot of lessons during that year. And one of the lessons that I learned, particularly in, dis- in talking with unbelievers— uh, particularly atheists and agnostics, and and particularly those of the anti-Christian persuasion, those who are had rejected intentionally rejected Christianity and were quite opposed to it, is that they believed that um, Christians should be living like Jesus, and. They believe that more strongly than many of the Christians that I have interacted with throughout my life. It was quite an eye-opening experience that the atheists that I was running into who had rejected Christianity, one of their primary reasons for that is Christians do not follow Jesus. 
that if Christians believe that Jesus is who he says he was, then they should live by Jesus's teachings. And it's, it's really, it's really a great point. And I've just encountered so many Christians from in, in high leadership positions as well that throughout my life in seminary, in Bible college that have, uh, they, we've come up with many reasons to excuse not having to follow the simple words of Christ. And yet atheists seem to read and know even some of the most basic teachings of Jesus and, and seem to read them more simply than Christians do. What that actually allowed, though, in these discussions was for me to bring them to an understanding of the early church and how the way that they're reading the Bible, these atheists reading the Bible, is exactly the way the early church read the Bible. The way these atheists were reading uh, the words of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, that's exactly the way the early Christians read the Sermon on the Mount. And the early Christians believed that through the power of the Holy Spirit, they could walk as Jesus walked, and they should love their neighbor as themselves and treat other people the way, the way they wanted to be treated and love their enemies and bless those who persecute them and all of these things. And it changed the world. It really changed the world. By the time of Constantine, about a tenth of the Roman Empire had become Christian, even though it was so wildly dangerous to be so, and no revolutions were started in the name of Christ. And so it really opened up many of these atheists' eyes to the gospel there. It's quite interesting. And so when Peter is writing, keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles, this word excellent is kalein, which means attractively good, good that inspires and motivates others to embrace what is lovely. You know, there's nothing more lovely than Jesus. There's nothing more beautiful than Jesus. There is nothing more attractive than Jesus. And so, excellent behavior, according to, to Peter, is living out the simple words of Christ. And guess what? If those early believers could do it, so can we. Because the same Holy Spirit that filled believers back then fills believers today. So maybe we need to change our minds about what excellent behavior looks like. Maybe we need to change our minds about the simple words of Christ. And so I just want to leave you today with the first words of Jesus in Mark chapter 1. The first words he spoke 
that we're called to obey according to the Great Commission. The first words are this, are these. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. So repent, change your mind, and believe in the good news of the gospel. God bless you. Don't delight in the death of the wicked So when I delight in the death of the wicked I am them I am them You don't delight in the pain of the wicked So when I delight in the pain of the wicked, I am them, I am them, so break my heart over what breaks yours, let me weep for what you weep for, and change my ways, Jesus make me pure. Break my heart, make it just like yours. You don't rejoice when the sinners are suffering. So when I rejoice when the sinners are suffering, I am them. Yes, I am them. That evil men perish So when I desire That evil men perish I am them Yes, I am them So break my heart Over what breaks yours Let me my ways. Jesus, make me pure. Break my heart. Make it just like yours. You weep for us. You weep for us. And you weep for them. You weep for Break my heart, 
make it just like yours. Break my heart over what breaks yours. Let me weep for what you weep for. Change my ways, Jesus, make me pure. Break my heart, make it just like yours. Break my heart, make it just like yours. Break my heart, make it just like yours.